Welcome to that weekend feeling with Darren Mann. It's that weekend feeling with Darren Mann and very privileged today to be catching up with Dr. Imtia Suleiman. He's the founder of The Gift of the Givers. 30 years that they've been contributing in a meaningful way to communities, particularly in South Africa. Dr. Suleiman, congratulations on your 30 years. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Uh, good morning, Darren. Thank you very much. And I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. 30 years of doing good. I'm sure there's a sense of satisfaction that comes with it. Can you pick out a few highlights for us? Well, obviously, the, the founding, you know, the way the organization was formed is critical because it was not something that I started around. I got a spiritual instruction from a spiritual teacher in Istanbul on the 6th of August, 1992, who just said to me, my son, I'm not asking you. I'm instructing you to form an organization. The name in Arabic will be Wakful Wakifi. Translated, it means gift of the givers. You will serve all people of all races, all religions, all colors, all classes, all cultures, of any geographical location and of any political affiliation, but you will serve them unconditionally. You will expect nothing in return, not even a thank you. This is an instruction for you for the rest of your life. And then he said, my son, remember whatever you do is done through you and not by you. That same night, it came by inspiration to respond to the civil war in Bosnia. And that same month in August, we took in 32 containers of aid into Bosnia, another eight containers in November. And in 93, we designed the world's first containerized mobile hospital, a world's first a product of South African engineering taken from Africa to Europe. I mean, that's the beginning of the organization. The following year, we designed the, our world's first containerized primary health care clinic. When the new government came to power with the ANC, they would, Kassasada Zuma was the Minister of Health. And she said the focus is now on primary health care. So we said, if you can build a hospital in containers, why can't we set up containerized primary health care clinics all over the country? And that's what we did. And over the years, we added 21 different categories of projects was, you know, to, 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 to our portfolio. Not 21 projects, but 21 different categories of projects. And of course, we had some very big international projects responding to the tsunami, the earthquake in Haiti. And there, we made a world first again. We pulled out somebody alive from the rubble eight days after the earthquake. Wow. No one from Africa has ever done that before in an earthquake outside the continent. It was a world first for us. So we had many notable interventions like that. We got involved in uh, the, the, this, uh, the earthquake in Japan. We helped the typhoon in Philippines, the earthquake in Nepal, the earthquake in India, uh, the, 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 the volcanic eruption in the DRC. An ammunition dump explosion in the Republic of Congo, the crisis in South Sudan, the hunger in Malawi, Cyclone died in Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and Malawi at the same time. So we had many notable interventions, many places of medical teams and search and rescue teams, and those in terms of the international. Local, of course, the big things that stand out is the Niza fire of 2017. The Beaufort West were running out of water and intervention and drilling bowls there, supporting Sutherland, where the farmers were collapsing with no fodder and no water. We drilled 238 boreholes for them, and we've sent in millions of rands of fodder. And then, of course, day zero in Cape Town. And then in 2018, getting involved in Makanda with a drought in 2019. COVID was a big intervention in 2020, with 210 hospitals were intervened in. 2021, the unrest in, in, in KZN. 2022, the big floods in KZN. And then, of course, right now in your city, you know, uh, trying to stave off day zero. We've already drilled close to 30 boreholes, and we've added almost 11 million litres of water to the grid. Dr. Silliman, so it started with a calling or an instruction 30 years ago. Getting yes. that calling or instruction is one thing. To translate it into action is something 
completely different. How did you build the organization? How did you secure funding? How difficult was that? Well, you know, the spiritual teachers, they, they were, they, I met him a lot of times. And every time I met him, his instruction was all like a prayer. He said, you will never look for money. People will come to you from all over the world. You will know, ask him, what am I supposed to do when you gave me this instruction? He told me one line, you will know. And for 30 years, I don't know. I just know what to do. And people started coming from all over. It started off with my own money, my family's money, my in-laws money, and then community members started giving us money. And as the project started growing, people from outside the city, then from other, this initially all Muslim money, and then people from other communities started giving money when they realized it's not a religious thing. It's a humanitarian thing. And when they started getting involved in international disasters, when we had mixed teams that the media has traveled with us, and you know, all types of races and all religions were working together as a South African, common South African entity, saving lives in other parts of the world, and then working together in, in South Africa, the, the, the volumes just started increasing. And then from the real corporate investment came with the Nice Guy Fire in 2017. And then as the day zero came in Cape Town, the, the, the balls and the, the COVID became a huge intervention for us. The conference came forward in a very, very big way. And especially at the civil unrest also last year, the floods this year, there was, there was a big change where suddenly just not ordinary people, small businesses, professionals, you know, and housewives at home, school organizations, other organizations, quality money, but now corporates were very, very serious about getting involved. And then embassies started getting involved and then international agencies started getting involved and corporates in South Africa, who have head offices in other parts of the world, they started getting involved and then charity trust started coming and foundations started coming and more and more groups started adding on. So it has been growing phenomenally, you know, especially in the last three years. The, the, the growth has been straight, well, you know, vertical. How many people are involved in the organization at the moment, Gifted the Givers? How big is the organization? It's 90 people full-time in South Africa. I don't have any volunteers, but I'll qualify that now. So 90 in South Africa, about 400 worldwide. I know that 400 worldwide is 320 a whole medical group running a hospital in North Syria. It's now virtually the biggest hospital in the country following the war. Then we've got offices in other parts of the world, and those are all full-time staff. The only volunteers I have are my medical teams and my search and rescue teams when we intervene in major disasters. And that number has grown from 200 to several hundred. Since our intervention in COVID, we've got whole hospitals of medical personnel throughout the country wanting to be part of our team. Dr. Suleiman, the demands on you and Gifted the Givers from people needing assistance must have increased greatly over the years as well. You surely can't help everyone. How do you decide which causes to get involved in and which to turn away? Well, first of all, we don't work with individuals. You know, we don't do individual support. Ours is mass disaster support. So it's quite easy. The municipality in your city calls us and say, we've got a problem. Thousands of people are going to be in difficulty. Can you help? And we say, okay, the intervention we're going to do is going to help several thousands of people. And we know we can do it because we're specialists in drilling bowls. We get involved in a crisis like that. In Sutherland, it's not one farmer. If the farmers collapse, food security is at risk, jobs are at risk. So the farm workers are going to lose jobs. There's going to be a huge social impact. We said, let's get involved in there. We come to Makanda, we know that if the town collapses, the university goes, all that is it's tourist related and it's, it's related to, it's, it's a university town. The university collapses, the whole town collapses. The knock-on effect is horrendous. So we say, okay, let's get involved there. Then small things, a fire there, a storm here, you know, a flood somewhere else. But then, of course, we get calls from the municipality, disaster management, or some some government department or a or, or community leader and say, look, we've got a problem, can you please come and help? Or sometimes they'll say, we, we have a problem, but we don't need your help. It's not so big, we can manage. 
So that makes it very easy. And then, of course, we've got our own counseling services. So that's a free service people call in. We, we, we do wheelchair distribution. People say, you know, I need a wheelchair here, there, and everywhere. And we bring in hundreds of those things, you know, our, our wheelchairs. We run a, a winter war program. We run a food parcel program. But that, again, that's also easy because now there's a new methodology. The corporates will say, we want to fund 1,000 food parcels, but we want 200 in this area, 500 in that area, 300 in this area. So it's identified in a large way by corporates who fund it and where the staff come from. And then say, over and above that, here's another few hundred, do what you want. Dr. Silliman, you've mentioned a number of international interventions. In how many countries worldwide are you active or have you been active over the past 30 years? In the past 30 years, it's been the last 30 years, we've been active in 45 countries. Wow. We're not there all the time, but we support the got officers in about eight countries right now. And we've placed them very strategically. From there, we can move to other parts of the world. We also got team members, South Africans, staying in other parts of the world. So if, if there's a crisis, we, we can send them up first as, a, as a, you know, the assessment team or the, uh, the advanced team to go and look what's going on while the other teams are getting ready. So and, and over the period of time, we're getting calls from healthcare specialists from all over the world, America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Hong Kong, parts of Africa, all people want to be part of our teams. Of course, we've got enough South Africans to do the job. We don't need any outsiders. But sometimes, of course, if we need something that's closer to a disaster, we could always send them first. Now, your humanitarian work and the relief missions you've conducted over the years have seen you and Gifted the Givers get a number of international awards, including a Global Citizen Award in 2016. It's not why you do the work, of course, but that must give you some encouragement when it's recognised and acknowledged. Well, it's important for the PR organisation. Today, it's all about trust. And people are not sure who to give money to. And when that happens, in the end, society suffers because funding doesn't come through and people are in need. But when you have that kind of recognition, it just makes it much easier in terms of PR and in terms of trust trust value. People say, okay, this organization gave them an award, they must have checked them out properly. And this company gave them an award, you know, they must have checked them out properly. So we think our money is safe here. We'll start off with a small amount and then we'll go bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what happens. From 10,000, it could become 5 million. It's that drastic the change that happens. And when that happens, of course, we can help more communities. Also, it gives another message that there are people in this world who really care about social responsibility, want to help others, and you know, and, 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 and they want to recognize your work so others would recognize you. And importantly, it sends a message to my team, because I'm not the organization, I'm one man. And it sends a message to my team, you know what, we got this award because of your guys' intervention, because of what you guys do, because of the sacrifices you and your family do. So this recognition is not for me, it's for the organization and all of you as a whole. So it's very, very motivating for the team members who really put in long hours to do what they do best. Well, I speak for many and most, I'm sure, when I say you're an absolute inspiration. Founder of the Gift of the Givers Foundation, Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman. Recently, to the list of awards you've won, the Harold Nelson Mandela Bay University Citizens of the Year winner in the civil society category. It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Long may you continue with the good work, Dr. Suleiman. We thank you for joining us on that weekend feeling today. Thanks, Darren. Thank you very much. And thank you to all the media people and everybody in the city and everybody, you know, also supported us. We appreciate everybody. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.